Madison, 1967, Law and Disorder. April 15th, Police Chief Wilbur Emery issues orders barring the news media from reading police reports or even talking to officers, requiring reporters to rely instead on verbal summaries from a department supervisor. Attorney General Bronson LaFollette calls the policy ridiculous and against the law. Emery says he didn't mean it and will revise the guidelines. But the policy is still in place on October 31st, when the state's Supreme Court rules unanimously that Emory could not withhold records merely on the claim that they are confidential and their release would be contrary to the public interest. Emory finally complies on December 1st. April 28th, Police Detective Charles H. Lulling, 44, spends the late afternoon at Yee's Chinese Restaurant and Bar, 119 South Webster Street, washing down a handful of prescribed tranquilizers with several martinis, getting drunk and disorderly, and brandishing his service revolver. Lulling is hospitalized immediately after the incident, diagnosed as suffering from depression, superimposed upon a compulsive personality pattern. On June 7th, Emery suspends the 17-year veteran and later recommends the Police and Fire Commission fire him. At the PFC hearing, the two officers who brought Lulling back to headquarters testify he looked, smelled, and acted drunk, and loudly cursed and threatened to kill a lieutenant, but did not unholster his weapon in their presence. Lulling testifies he can't remember anything about that day, other than having taken more sedatives than prescribed in order to relieve an unusual tenseness he could not explain. The PFC on June 24th rejects Emery's bid to fire Lulling, imposing a four-month suspension instead and requiring him to continue psychiatric treatment and have a mental exam before returning to work. May 17th, Attorney Stuart Becker, former chairman of the county Republican Party, is named president of the Police and Fire Commission. He's also president of the Madison Salvation Army Advisory Board, a director of the Madison Chamber of Commerce, and a former alderman from the mid-40s. Becker pledges, quote, moral support to the police and fire departments and criticizes the news media for publicizing demonstrations, quote, to a point that is very distressing to our citizenry. August 4th. Just days after tensions between the police and minority community were exposed by public hearings before the Equal Opportunities Commission, the Madison Police Department publishes its first-ever recruitment ad identifying itself as an Equal Opportunity employer. The police department would not hire its first black officer until September 1969. Air Force Sergeant and Vietnam veteran Johnny Winston, 21, father of current Madison Fire Lieutenant Johnny Winston, Jr., October 18th, Emory reports that crime is up 18% over 1966, with the greatest increase coming in assaults and burglary. There have been 13 forcible rapes this year, 22 robberies, 135 assaults, 612 burglaries, and 373 auto thefts. There have been no homicides, there were three by this time last year, and one case of negligent manslaughter. November 23rd. One month after Madison police officers were issued the chemical spray mace, patrolman Michael Ponte logs its first use to subdue two persons who became unruly and threatened him when he tried to issue a traffic ticket. A week later, another deployment of the concentrated tear gas during a crowd disturbance in the 1300 block of East Wilson Street allegedly causes a woman to suffer facial burns, lose control of her legs, and become hysterical. 
Wisconsin Civil Liberties Union Chairman Professor William Gorham Rice asks Mayor Otto Feske for a policy statement on the use of MACE. In early December, Feske responds, calling MACE a more humane tool to use than billy club, muscle power, or a firearm, and that he trusts each officer's discretion about when to use it. And he says he's convinced that the manufacturer's claim that it causes no permanent discomfort or harm is true. December 6th, Ginger Rogers starring in Hello, Dolly! at the Orpheum Theater. Right before the finale, the legendary star and her hairdresser are making a quick costume change. That's when the thief slips into the unlocked dressing room and steals about $300 from the hairdresser's purse. The suspect was never caught. And that's this week's Madison in the 60s. For WORT News, I'm Stu Levitan.